Well, hello everyone and happy new year. Here we are, January. We're going to start positively, even with the news, we're going to start positively. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas celebration wherever you were, a holiday celebration with family, with friends where possible. If you've been travelling, I hope the journey wasn't too bad and that you're getting back to where you need to be as we start uh, the month of January. A few sicknesses still abound. But with that, uh, most people start a new year with new thoughts and positive ones. And we want to bring you a bit of that as well. I have a full studio, plenty of people here, and I have two colleagues with me. I've got Steve and Sasha. So welcome, everybody. Good morning. Hello. Happy New Year, Lisa. Happy New Year. And I must do a call out to my other colleagues because I just came back today, haven't been away. And there were a couple of gifts in the in the office, which is very nice. Thank you so much, Steps. I got these lovely socks. If you're watching on the video, I've got Mona Lisa socks. That was very, very considerate. Very apt. Did you get any socks? I did. Mine were the Statue of Liberty for some reason. Oh. Uh, I'm not sure why, but there were a few odd choices. That, that oh, yes, around. I got I got uh, sort of diabolical socks. So I was a goat on one side because you were very duplicitous. Uh, so a goat on one side and a sort of witch on the other. And I was like, hmm. What are you trying to tell oh, me? Oh, <laughs> more pagan than uh, oh. Christmas. Oh, well. Well, I, I, like, sure. I like them a lot. Yeah, no, that's very kind. And a, and a beautiful uh, card and letter down there. Hilarious as always from Sarah. And so, um, yeah, we're bringing a bit of jollity uh, through Christmas uh, back into the new year. It's really nice to get back into the office and see that. And of course, I want to also add that you often bring in these most divine biscuits. Uh, I try to, yes. And I'll, I'll be honest up front, sometimes my wife makes them, but when she's making them, I generally learn how to do it myself. And then subsequently, I'm not going to ask her, can you bake biscuits for my work? So I learn for myself so that I can do it and bring them in. Well, we know that you know, because uh, Sasha asked, uh, you know, how did you make it or something like this this morning? And you literally reeled off the grams that you used. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a well memorized. 165 of sugar, 165 of, let me see if I have it, egg white? No, was it? Uh, two egg whites. Two egg whites. Um, well, equal measures of nuts, oh, nuts and, and sugar. flour. Yeah. Uh, sorry, nuts and sugar. Yeah. Uh, 40 gl- grams of flour, little pinch of salt. 180 degrees, 12 to 15 minutes. You see, divine. Yeah. You, dangerously they, divine. They are really dangerously divine. Mm. I think my cu- favourites so far have been the pre-Christmas biscuits, the sort of almondy, yeah, like, I, germ, like they, kipfel, were they were amazing. I've yeah. had three people ask for the recipe of yeah. those. So. Right. Yeah. So we're going to think about doing a Today Radio <laughs> Bake Off. Uh, and, and you, you we, we actually... I don't think you'd have much competition. Well, oh. speaking to Melissa, we also mentioned your oh. cakes, Sasha. Oh, no, I don't think oh, so. Oh, your men's pies went down a tree. Oh, yes. Apparently they were so good that uh, Sam and Steps had four each. Oh, they just don't eat breakfast. I didn't even get a look in. (laughs) Anyway, um, so, you know, it's not normal that we start a show talking about food, but I think it's a nice January thing. Most people do some sort of detox thing or a dry January or whatever. But we're talking about lovely light biscuits. In fact, my my New Year's resolution when it comes to food is um, to try not to eat anything processed. Yes, I agree. We do most of our cooking from fresh. We don't really eat pre-prepared stuff at all and haven't done for a long time. And it becomes easier once you get into doing it. I I mean, in general, I I think I eat healthily, but nothing processed, that actually is quite hard because it means no cereals, not really any 
bread that you buy in a packet yep. and things like this, no sauces, etc. So, so that's my New Year's resolution. I think I really like that resolution. Mm. That's it's interesting. We were doing the top five resolutions uh, this morning, actually. Oh, what are they? And it, well, it's it's all the boring stuff, isn't it? It's like you know, go to the gym, stop smoking, uh, drink yeah, less. stop smoking, drink less. So it, yeah, so I like that one. Mm, well, health, health is a thing, you know. Uh, well, I think it's a thing anyway. Um, but we're going to try to keep this air of positivity because you, Sasha, and Steve as well, you've come up with some wonderful, wonderful stories as we look towards 2024. So, Sasha, let's start off with Luxembourg. We have a few changes. Yes. So, obviously, uh, last year we had the election. So, we've got a new government in place. And um, they, again, they're very positive. Uh, We had the Prime Minister, Luc Frieden, on New Year's Day uh, make a sort of traditional New Year's speech. Um, so we kind of know what's what's coming. And the, the most important one for for a lot of people is that there will be tax cuts. So um, that and they, they have committed to that. So that means that for workers and, and for pensioners as well, uh, that will be more money in your pocket. So that's quite a positive. Except change. it sounds positive, <laughs> but they're still not tackling the real inequity between the tax bans. Not tax yes. bans, I mean between like 1A, 1 or 2, blah, 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 whether you're married or married with But it's children. things like if you're single that you are still penalised, aren't you? Yes, single with children or single, yes. Yeah, yeah both. It, it, it seems incredibly unfair and a little prehistoric for the yes. way people live these days. So it sounds like good news and it is good news, but it's <laughs> not tackling the fundamental. Anyway, let's move on. Well, I suppose that, but you know, that is the situation also with, you know, prom- the promises that have been made. So, for example, tackling the housing crisis, um, you know, uh, we, the, one of the positive news stories, I guess positive, is that house prices are falling. So uh, in 2024, so that in theory should enable more people to be able to buy. But again, mm. as as the prices are so high, um, anyway, I think most average workers uh, will still struggle to find somewhere to buy or to rent. House prices are falling, uh, but of course, the mortgages are higher by quite a percentage. Indeed. Yeah. Um, mm, so, yeah. yes. So, so, OK, <laughs> so we're we're that positivity is <laughs> working out. I'm, yeah, no, no, we're going to be very positive. Oh, on the positive, uh, I was listening to UK News today, and if that's anything to go by, probably not. Um, their interest rates are coming down. Well, I was going to say, I mean, the economy is supposed to also recover in Luxembourg yes. this year. Um, so that's a possibility, you know, a positive. And um, also we've got some social elections. Uh, we've got a... a, a you know, you will be able to vote for your trade union representative or yeah. whatever. So that's that's something. The tram will be extended and we will be able to get to the stadium. Yes, from, indeed. From Kirchberg. Yeah, I kind of hope they would do the airport first. That seemed a little bit more sensible <laughs> to me. But uh, it is coming and when it comes, it will be great. But yeah, You'll this... be off to Cloche d'Or before you know it. Yes, yeah. trying yes, it out. To the shopping centre. So that's, that's another one, yeah. Yeah, just... just... The airport is next year, they've yes, said, haven't they? Yes. 2025. You're right, though. It, it seems a little counterintuitive that they would do the stadium. But maybe there's some big games that I don't know about coming up next year. Uh, not that I can think of. There is in Germany. Mm. Um, the qualifiers are not pretty Luxembourg. much done, but it's not Luxembourg. <laughs> well, there is a Lu- the Luxembourg football team um, are playing a couple of games. Oh, yeah, still. they'll, they'll, they'll have friendlies and such. Mm. Yeah. Um, so we, that's a fair point. We might actually get some larger teams coming for friendly games. Yeah. And because the stadium's been built, you obviously want to push people there. It has to be paid for. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you want it to be popular. So, yeah, maybe maybe it is a good idea for 2024. But if it'd been last year, it would have been a little bit odd to go to the stadium first. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Some very good news, though. You mentioned Germany for cross-border workers. Of course, we have a lot. I know that um, there's new agreements. Yes. So finally, uh, the uh, German cross-border workers are on the same level as Belgian and French cross-border workers in terms of how many days they can work from home. Mm-hmm. So that's now been increased from the 1st of January again. Um, so I think they can do 30, I don't have a look at my notes, I think it was 38 days. 34. 34 days yeah. from home. Um, so that that puts them on a part and makes a huge difference. Because, because it was all, 19 before. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we often talked about the fact that cross-border workers are more penalised than uh, people living in Luxembourg working from home and you might need it a bit more. So that's the kind of Luxembourg good news I think we can expect. Yes. I mean, one of the other things that was included was the Olympics. That was in my Luxembourg section. If you want to support... Luxembourgish athletes at the Olympics. Obviously, that's coming up in June. And I think a lot of people will follow the Olympics this year because, first of all, it's the first Quite time close. in ages that it's so close. Yeah, um, It's in our time zone, which will also make We should mention difference. for anybody who... It's in Paris, just yes. in case somebody's missed that. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Two hours away. So, uh, yeah. so that's really exciting. I think uh, in June, people will maybe support Luxembourg or their own countries if we're an expat um, and watch lots of Olympics. I quite enjoy that month. Yeah, you can also just pop pop on the TGV, go to Paris and just soak up the atmosphere if it's nice. Yes, especially as Paris is really selling itself as a as a city during the Olympics that you can walk around and enjoy the Olympics. Yes, you know, lots the, of transformation planned for certain streets, etc. I'm not quite sure how successful that's going to be. Yeah. Um, having been to Paris last year, and they've already done that. A lot of the central areas are already pedestrianised, but they they want to do the. I think the opening ceremony is going down the Seine and things mm. like that. So there's lots of security issues. There's and stuff. major security uh, concerns and, and budget there. concerns as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Yeah. In fact, it's also, as you mentioned, you were there last year. I was also in Paris uh, last year, a few days ago last year. Um, (laughs) But um, you can even enjoy the pre-Olympic atmosphere uh, without the crowds because they've put some things in place and uh, some, yeah, exhibitions, etc. as well. Um, That aside, we have a super election year ahead. Yes, this is going to be amazing. I mean, you know, we, I think we were, because we had elections here in Luxembourg last year, we kind of felt that was a big focus, but half the world are eligible to to vote next mm. year. So we're going from the American elections, obviously that's the biggie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're still waiting to see if, if Trump uh, will be the uh, candidate for the Republicans and whether Biden will be the candidate for the Democrats. I mean, the likelihood is, isn't it, that we've got the same scenario as we had previously. So we have Trump versus Biden. So the only thing I space. think about when I hear those names is I think about energy levels at that age. And yes. um, <laughs> it's incredible. Yes, I think maybe there's hope for us all as we move towards our, our hopeful latter years that we might have equal energy to be able to run a country. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I think it's nice that at that age, they still have the respect that people would vote for them mm. to do that. But I think we we will see maybe over the next decade or so a shift away from these older men having power over major countries. And as Sasha said, there's, I think, is it nearly 50 major elections around the world this year? Oh, Something yeah. Something like I mean, that. Mexico, means. South Africa, we've got the European elections coming up and Iran, later in the year. 
I and run. Absolutely. And That's we're pointing here um, if you're yes. watching us to one of the guests That's who is March. Iranian. Yes. Um, so these are the first elections, I think, since the mass protests. Um, so what what do you expect? This is Soban, by the way, <laughs> who's going to talk. Please come to the mic and tell us that you're Iranian, but you're here to talk about something completely different. But given that you're Iranian, I'm sure you have a, a view. Uh, yeah, I can say that uh, there isn't any fundamental uh, changing because uh, we don't have free election there uh, then everything the same as before <laughs> nothing is special oh dear that's that's well, rather veering like away from the positive news of 2024 <laughs> well, rather like the elections of course in in russia where where mm. president putin stands basically unopposed i've lost track of how many years he's been there now Is it 2006? I think it was 23 years I think he's been in power now. So um, it's quite shocking. He switched from Prime Minister to President at one point as well. He he did and then he flipped back back. again. (laughs) He kept changing the rules. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So yes, he has been in power for 23 years on and off. I mean, and you know, the only opponent he's got is Alexei Navalny, Mm. who is now, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a, prison camp in Siberia. Mm. Um, I mean, the, the stories that are coming out of there are just absolutely horrific. Um, so, I mean, what a, what a brave man and what a pity that yeah. uh, there, is, there is no functioning opposition in Iran or Russia. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's go back to the positive news here. European elections. Yes, so I think this, this is a positive. I mean, there have been a lot of call-outs for everybody to vote um, because it's, I think it's one of those elections that people feel a little bit lazy about because mm. you, you vote in your national elections and you don't necessarily know. I know that this is the, was the state in the UK big time that people didn't even know their MEP. Um, but it's so important <laughs> um, because, of course, you know, this right-wing swing in, in Europe, um, you know, this is the moment that, that we can actually try and counter it. So, you know, obviously the Netherlands had the elections last year and have done a major swing to the right. Hungary is very much... Italy. Italy, Mm. yeah, of course, yes. Mm. So, um, yes, there's been quite a lot of urging to kind of get a a balance in the European Parliament, um, you know, with more liberal... Open-minded policies. On that, I I want to bring in this note that that you've made. I love this. um, It's José Manuel Barroso, former Prime Minister of Portugal and former head of the European Commission, um, used to say that Europeans were in love with the intellectual glamour of pessimism. And now, just in case you don't know, Steve, which countries do you think rank high in global surveys of pessimism? European countries, what would you say? Uh, well, I can't say the UK anymore because they're not part of Europe. No, um, they're actually not on this list. Uh, I would. They, uh, it's one of those odd quirks, though, isn't it? That you've got countries like Finland, etc., where you know it's quite dark a lot of the time of the year, but you have a lot of positivity. Mm, that's um, not in the top four. That's not in the no. top four. Um, I would probably go for maybe Spain. Yes. Uh, Probably France. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> Italy. Yes. And the third one, where am I going to get? Or Hungary. Actually, Belgium. But Belgium. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those surprise me, some don't. Um, so, Sasha, tell us about this, um, the global surveys of pessimism. I love this story. I, I, I just think it's really, it, it was really fun, wasn't yeah. it? That we, we basically are pessimists. And I mean... Especially when you're in news, isn't it? You can be, become very pessimistic. I mean, obviously, the the global situation with the the war in Gaza yeah. and the Ukraine war entering its third year is, you know, 
at, at plus other problems in Sudan, etc. You you can become a bit pessimistic. So I think mm. you, it is important. And what this is what he was talking about is to also. Po- focus on the positive. So, for example, that uh, there will be EU enlargement talks with Ukraine and Moldova um, that, you know, after 25 years of peace, Kosovo is is entering into conversations with the EU and, in fact, are now able to uh, travel visa-free um, to Serbia and, you know, into the EU. Sorry, not into Serbia. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of positives that are happening in Europe um, Train travel, yeah. um, you know, uh, they that's back on the agenda. So this, they've just opened a big uh, train route between Berlin and Paris, mm-hmm. an overnight route, and they're planning to do more. So that's in the sort of positive developments for the EU. I don't know when that will be open. Do you happen to know I think when it's the started already. it has started? Okay, well that's fantastic. Also for anybody uh, visiting the um, Olympics, you know, you can zip cross to Berlin. Well, if, <laughs> you just... time it, if you time it right, you can go to the Euros for the football, and you can also go to the Olympics. I don't yeah, know. There, there might be a bit of crossover. Yeah. Well, there we go for anybody into their sport. Um, but I really love that story about the pessimism. But you're right, Sasha. You know, when it comes to news, so often we're soaked in negative news because a lot of the news that one has to talk about. Well, last year yeah. was last year was awful, or pretty heavy, and I, you know, and I, you know, there are no solutions in place for these really big conflicts at the moment. Mm. So, uh, you know, twenty twenty four, I think, is going to be a very interesting year for news. There will mm. certainly be a lot around with all these uh, different elections, um, and and also, you know, this ongoing conflict, uh, which we we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, moving back to the good news. Yes. I really like the fact that our lives are getting longer, you know, generally. Uh, we have that. Um, the pandemic made us more altruistic. These are, these are nice these little are notes of positivity. Yep. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about problems with antibiotics no longer working. And there was a, an interesting story that came out, I think, two days ago, uh, that they found essentially a super antibiotic, which has been tested on mice. And it deals with a whole gamut of uh, issues. So we may actually have a problem solved with uh, some new medication, etc. And all the advances that have come about from all the, well, basically the pandemic Mm. and everybody really ramping up the amount of science behind uh, dealing with illnesses and such, development of new vaccines, some which they believe may help with certain cancers, for example. Um, so on a medical front, development-wise, and I think when they introduce, I know a lot of people talk about AI and such, but they can they can look at diseases in an entirely different way, how proteins fold, all these sort of things that we just don't have the facilities at the moment to deal with that can bring really positive change to people's lives. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things uh, is the malaria vaccine that uh, we shouldn't forget about. I mean, that, that's that's also coming out. And uh, yeah, I mean, that will make a really big difference, wouldn't Huge. it? We already have some percentages on the the reduction in deaths for, for young children. I have 13% in my mind, but uh, perhaps I've... Yes, yes, no, 13%, 13%. Exactly, exactly. And yep. that might sound low... But when you look at the population size, That's enormous. It, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, world GDP per capita is, has almost doubled as well this century. And you mentioned AI. A lot of people think that AI will allow it to increase further. <laughs> I mean, whatever that actually means relative to the cost of living. But, um, but you know, it sounds, it sounds positive. And alongside that, inequality apparently is reduced. 
Yeah, exactly. So it is, it is slight, you know, I mean, these, these are, as you say, when you look at the percentages, you know, the, 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 there's still the fact that 10% with the highest income have 50% of the total income, which is a lot, but yeah. it's less than it was in the year 2000. Yes. So, I mean, I, I think what we want, because, you know, when we were in the 90s or whatever, we always felt that life was getting better. And I think a lot of people after, you know, quite a tough time during the pandemic. They they want this sort of move to feel that life's improving. And it's the same with AI, isn't it? We talk about the the fears that we have, but there's so much positive that that hopefully will will come from AI. Yeah, there there is if it can be managed well, I think. And we we just don't know what that will be yet. But um that thought life is getting better. I mean, what makes a good life? I think that's a question as well. And I think people question that more through the COVID times because, you know, health (laughs) rates very highly on that front. Um, And and, and perhaps, yes, a certain amount of money is important, but it isn't everything. And that's for sure. Um, We must also add that there's new emojis. (laughs) Yes. So I was saying that the, my my favourite one is the jellyfish. I know I'm probably of an age I shouldn't really use emojis anymore. <laughs> oh, don't be so um, silly. You know, we, we always have this uh, argument on, on the morning show whether the thumbs up is actually basically young people say you should just stop using it yes. whereas um, I kind of feel it's a sort of I, I got your message mm. I, I acknowledge it but I don't have to do anything else about it but apparently that's quite rude so I'm quite keen on the jellyfish and the shaking head I quite like the bacon. I've seen the shaking head one I do like that one I'm, I'm always interest, interested in how people re-adopt what they are for something entirely mm. differently I know there's a few that have been in the adult sense adoptees for certain different things. <laughs> but it is quite amusing to see people's imagination and what they end up using them for. I just think they're brilliant. What a great u- universal language it's that we hi- have. Hieroglyphics <laughs> of the 21st century. Oh God, what's happened to our intellect? Well, here we go. Uh, new brain implants gave a voice to people who cannot speak. That's a good thing. Yes, I mean, there's loads of medical good mm. news on, on, on my list. Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> so, looking at them here, yes. yeah. Uh, you know, HIV drugs prevented 21 million deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, there are fewer suicides in the world. That's wonderful. I mean, that the rate, uh, the suicide rate per 100,000 people has dropped by 35% in 25 years. That's well, like, We have a much better understanding of mental health, yeah. don't mm. we, generally? I and mean, I think, especially for men. And I think... Going forward again in this year, we'll see further steps in that. Um, I'm, I'm recalling an episode you had where you mentioned about Belgian doctors prescribing museum tickets. Yes, well but, remembered, but Steve. But also Thank the you. positive effect it had on the people that worked at the museums yes. as well. Yes. Because you're basically getting a different type of clientele. And, you know, you, there's a positive thing there. You're helping people help themselves. That's right. It was the receptionists um, who felt their job was more worthwhile if yeah. they could help another person coming in. And it really made them feel really good um, because the tickets were private. They were not shown to anybody else. Uh, but the person at reception and the people showing them around, they knew what it meant and they really took value in that. Yeah. And I think it's important that point you raise about not having a distinguishing thing with regards to the tickets and that everybody's treated equally. Yeah. I mean, I know in Scotland, I think almost all museums are free. Yeah, same. So it doesn't matter. You can go in, you can go in wherever you like, you can revisit. Um, but for people who just don't have that opportunity, it's a wonderful thing that they have somebody saying to them, a medical professional, this may actually help you. It's not medication, it's not therapy per se, but it's you getting out into the world and 
being given a chance to just connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that point, we also have apparently discovered that chatting makes us happy. Do you feel like you're happier now that you're chatting here in the studio with us? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's always fun and entertaining. Um, most people will tell you I'm not generally the most chatty of people, but I when I do chat, I, I'm kind of quite intense about it. I like talking about stuff I like. Or if somebody's talking to me about something I don't know and I find interesting, I'm all ears. I want to hear about it. I'll ask questions, etc. But ordinarily, I'm actually quite a quiet person. But I think that's good because... It, it it not only makes you feel better, it makes mm. you feel more human, but it fundamentally educates you about other people. Yeah. And there's a lot of fear in the world. So getting to know other people and to if that if chatting helps remove things like racial bias, sexism, etc., or just makes you even understand those problems, that's a massive improvement. And if we didn't chat to Steve, we wouldn't have got that recipe this morning. Exactly. There you go. So no, it is <laughs> it's vital. It's fun. Well, thank you both so much, Steve. Thank you so much for coming in on the show. Is it an pleasant absolute, surprise? Yeah, spontaneous delight, along with the lovely biscuits awaiting us back in the office. Um, yeah, so you may stay with us for the rest of the show. And uh, Sasha, thank you as always. That's uh, wonderful as always. To Pleasure. Have you. The Lisa Burke Show. Now, welcoming my uh, first guest, I've got Catherine Wirt, who is Head of Sustainability at BGLBNP Paribas, and we're going to talk about the competition MyCom for Impact. Uh, welcome to you, Catherine. Hello, and Happy New Year to uh, you. Happy New Year to you. Uh, firstly, I, you know, anytime I see BGL, BNP, Paribas, I kind of think they need a rebrand because that is such a long title <laughs> for an organisation. Have they ever discussed that? Uh, actually, I, I'm not uh, aware. <laughs> no, I know of you're this. not a spokesperson. <laughs> it's just it doesn't roll off the tongue. I feel like somebody in the in the marketing department could could have a little rebrand there because it's a very long. Uh, I, I, yeah, a title. That aside, let's talk about sustainability because you know um, a little bit uh, about uh, you. First of all, you've been with the bank now for how many years? Um, so I have started um, a bit more than eight years ago. Yes. Yeah. And before that, you spent 10 years working and living in London, in Paris and also in Berlin. You studied development studies at SOAS, the University of London and Masters in Public Policy at the Hertie School of Governance. You're also a member of the board of Microlux, which is a Luxembourg microfinance institution. When it comes to social entrepreneurship and um, everything around ESG, why do banks care? Yeah, so um, actually uh, the sustainability has really become a part of the core strategy of the bank because like Okay, we try to be positive today, but as we know, we have a climate crisis, rising inequality. And as a bank and as a financier, it's really our role to support, um, for instance, solutions that tackle uh, climate change or um, solve social and environmental uh, uh, problems. And in that specific case, of course, entrepreneurship is is for for a bank a big a big topic as a bank we finance the local economy we finance the the economy and uh, that's why as part of our sustainability um, strategy in particular um, we we have built up a whole uh, bunch of services to really uh, tackle micro uh, entrepreneurs 
but also social and female entrepreneurs. So yeah, we we try to do the extra mile um, to yeah to to boost um, these entrepreneurs as they give specific value to also Luxembourg. Like it, it's the, the the little shops, the the local economy. And of course, the impact economy. And so specifically to social entrepreneurship, um, social entrepreneurs actually find very innovative solutions to tackle environmental and social social problems. And that's why we, we thought, what can we do to, to help these entrepreneurs even further to become more visible and have more, more impact? And that's why we we came up with My Comfort Impact, the competition uh, you were mentioning. Yeah, and we'll we'll come on to that. But first of all, a bank isn't renowned in general. Banks are not renowned for taking on risk. And you mentioned micro entrepreneurs. So how do you evaluate the risk of somebody that you might finance? Yeah, that's actually why um, seven years ago, Uh, together with the uh, European Investment Fund, um, BGL, BNP Paribas, founded Microlux, this, that is uh, microfinance institutions. And thanks to the European Investment Fund um, with their guarantee scheme, um, with Microlux, we can take higher risk to support um, entrepreneurs that wouldn't be eligible to the traditional uh, banking banking credit. And that's actually one of the conditions for entrepreneurs to come to Microlux is to have kind of refusal from a traditional bank. And so I love that. You have to have been refused in order to obtain microfinancing. Yeah, to, to make competition to to the to the banking um, to the banking uh, sector. sector. And also It, it's a bit more. So with, with Microlux, um, so of course you can get a banking credit, but also you have a whole um, coaching um, next, next to the credit to help you to develop your business, to, to get trained how to do your, your business plan. Um, so to, there's mentoring yes. alongside it, which is very, very supportive. And just to explain a little bit more deeply to our listeners who may not be aware of the word, I know having spoken about microfinance to some people, not everybody understands what microfinance actually means. So the the definition actually is that it's small loans. Um, my microfinance um Uh, was born in uh, Bangladesh with Professor uh, Yunus uh, that was actually founding um, what we call today microfinance. And here in Luxembourg, um, what we offer through Microlux are loans that go up to uh, 25,000. Uh, And so it stays small. Um, so there are And mostly uh, we, we finance uh, entrepreneurs that are launching an activity. So it's more the, 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 the startups and the little entrepreneurs. So the, the micro. <laughs> yeah, uh, but where 25,000 euros would be uh, really, it would change what they could buy in, for instance. So it's very, very valuable to them nonetheless. Exactly. Now, tell us about this competition, MyCom for Impact. Yeah, so um, as I said, uh, as part of our sustainability strategy, we like to to do this extra mile to support social entrepreneurships. And just 
uh, one sentence. So what we have until now is that we have trained our relationship managers to better understand what is a social enterprise. Uh, there is impact. Uh, so there's not only profit, but there's also impact. So to to get to know also the different legal structures. So in Luxembourg, we have a new um, actually societal status that is, is called Société d'Impact Societal. So we have trained these um, these relationship managers. Then we also have a, a program that's called One Million Hours to Help, where our employees can actually um, depend deploy up to one day uh, on voluntary basis on um, and to, to to get on a mission to help this social enterprise. But we're thinking what, what is really missing that um, also today there are so many consumers that are willing to, to change their consumption habits or, or like, um, for instance, do something against food waste or help elderly people. But often these solutions are not well known. And that's why we thought, okay, there's real need to to help the marketing and communication um, of these great entrepreneurs uh, that um, need to, need to have more visibility to to boost their impact. And so, my come for impact actually. So the for it's for enterprises, but also associations, foundations that exist since one year at minimum that have a strong social or environmental impact and that have seen a certain growth either in their budget or turnover over the last years. So out of the listeners, yes. if, you are, if you feel like, ah, this could be me or my neighbor or the friend of a friend, um, keep, uh, keep listening. <laughs> Um, so because actually you have still two weeks to go to apply. So the deadline is January 21st. Um, the award ceremony will be in March 19th. And the first prize of this competition is actually a tailor-made uh, marketing and communication campaign. Um, so we will look really into the winner, what are uh, its needs in terms of uh, is it rather about uh, branding uh, or user design or customer segmentation or and you have a proper online. I think it's Mikado they yes, will help yes exactly it's not me <laughs> <laughs> so we really work uh, uh, as well with our amazing uh, communication team in the bank but also with Mi in partnership with Mikado um, to yeah actually really define this um, this 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 campaign and, and do strategy. they win money so it's uh, not money per se but the the campaign is free yeah it, they get it's that. a substantial uh, uh, a, a cost to a you cost yeah exactly yes, absolutely so that's the first prize what are the other prizes so there will be the first prize for the other prizes. Um, so, of course, we do this not alone, but we do this within the ecosystem of the Luxembourgish impact um, ecosystem together with this. Uh, so there will be um, the social business incubator from the Ministry of Labour, but also ULES, um, which is the union that is really um, gathering all the social enterprises and this whole ecosystem in, in, in Luxembourg. And so on this event that we plan on March 19th, there will be a lot of visibility also to the other finalists. And also we have some few 
few surprises that I cannot. Uh, so really, for anybody involved today. in this, anybody who wants to learn more, it's certainly a growing part of our society here in Luxembourg. I think there's a real push by the government, even though it's a new government now, to increase the the use of money for positive feedback. Exactly. And it really fits well in this positivity um, uh, topic of today's uh, uh, show. And if we, because if we look, for instance, into big cities like Paris or, or Berlin, it's an ecosystem that is already really in in the in the movement. And uh, as we know that in Luxembourg, well, it's always two three years uh, behind. It's something we see also developing in Luxembourg. Especially also solutions, for instance, that mix the tech with the social impact. So we see platforms, for instance, that um, uh, try to, to put into contact restaurants that want, they want to throw their food with um, people that, that want to, yeah, also like maybe for cheaper money, get um, a meal but that is not thrown away or we see platforms that connect elderly people with the students for housing opportunities that give additional wage to so they're really passionate Uh, ideas mm -hmm. and solutions. Um. And the wonderful thing about Luxembourg and the fact that you you have lived in so many different cities, you know, you've mentioned Paris. I know you've lived in, studied in London and Berlin as well. You can look at these cities and pick out what works and maybe see things that are not so successful as well. You did study public policy. How important is strong public policy in affecting positive change? I mean... It's the it's the framework, so it's the the laws that are put in in place, but also the incentives um, that you you could give um, to to people actually to 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 become an entrepreneur, which is still sometimes difficult in Luxembourg with very high costs for um, for instance if you have, want to have a shop or. Oh uh, yeah, the, we we see this a lot with Microlux. There are many barriers still for local smaller entrepreneurs to to develop. I mean, we all see examples in the city of Luxembourg, like nice initiatives closing. So it's really there where also the government needs to put the right incentives in place. What do you think could help? Um, uh, like personally. Uh, Yeah, for instance, build on initiatives of these um, uh, pop-up uh, shops. It's already uh, something very good. Also, um, try to uh, lease, e make it easier, all the administrative burden for an uh, entrepreneur to actually uh, test also a new product, test the market. Um, in Luxembourg still, yeah, then... From the day on, you're an entrepreneur, you, you have very high social security costs, very high um, administrative burden that is often a, yeah, a barrier actually to, to go that, that way. Well, it's great to have you on the show. We will link to all of the ways in which a person can you apply for the competition MyCom for Impact. Where does the name come from, MyCom for Impact? Is it company, My Company for Impact? No, it's actually My Communication for Impact. 
my communication for impact, where we wish all of the entrepreneurs who will apply the very best of luck. And we're going to continue right after this very short break with more ESG conversation. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you. The Lisa Burke Show. Well, following on from that, I've got um, more to talk about ESG, but with an artistic bent. So I've got three guests now in the studio. They are Patrizia Lucchetta, Mia Kinch and Soban Naderi. Um, now, Patrizia, I know you know this place very, very well indeed. A little bit about you. You've had a hugely varied international career from biomedical life sciences to the arts. You also have a particular focus on ESG related topics. You co-founded Charlotte in Red, which amplifies the voices of female artists who use their creative work to support and raise awareness of the UN's Agenda 2030. Uh, Mia Kinch, uh, you're a visual artist creating works of art inspired by nature and the body with a focus on women in our society, their rights and gender inequalities. And Soban Naderi, you founded your own production agency, a creative content agency covering really everything in that spectrum called Naderi Productions. So welcome to you all. Thank you. It's, I'm going to start with you, Patricia, because we're going to talk about Charlotte and Red's next project. It's called The Art of Change, Creatives on the Move. So tell us about the idea. Indeed. Um, so The Art of Change, maybe uh, rolling back in my professional life, I sit on, um, on boards um, specializing on ESG and the directives that are coming in that space. Um, and as you said, I've been interested in art um, ever since. And I started investigating what's happening in the world and how artists are getting involved. Um, I, I think artists in general um, express their feelings about society, about societal problems. But we see more and more really uh, what, what is called artivism um, these days. And so I uh, decided, so the idea started uh, emerging to do a documentary series about female artists that are, as you um, introduced, that are using their art um, to raise awareness or to be actually active uh, and helping out. Um, it sort of parallels what Catherine just mentioned. The fact that, I love the word artism, it's a form of communication through different art forms. And in fact, the prize for uh, the, the competition with uh, um, BNP Paribas, the competition My Comfort Impact, is all about communicating the message. And so all of these varied art forms is a way of doing this. It is. And actually, there are two sides of it. One is uh, to communicate about what these artists do to mm. a broader public. Um, but the other one is also communicating with corporations. So corporations are obviously under pressure with uh, the legislative framework coming and are doing a lot of initiative, but it seems like these two worlds work in parallel, don't really communicate. I mean, we see often sponsoring of concerts or art exhibition in order to raise funds, but I really do believe that there could be greater synergies. And so alongside the documentaries in each city, we want to have a, a roundtable discussions where these artists are present and uh, the company who will participate in funding the documentary and then see um, if they find a way to work better together. And I really see it as a two-way communication. It's not like 
you know, convincing companies that they need to do more, but also maybe confronting the artists with the realities of the corporate world. You also mentioned different cities because you're going to take this project across different cities. You have a few in mind, five different cities. Yes, yeah, so I have, I mean, I have a whole potential. So Luxembourg is the first, is going to be the pilot also to see with uh, Soban if we're able to, you know, implement this project, how, how it is in my mind right now. Uh, but then I'd like a bit to cover south and, and, and north and then also a little bit more east. So I have definitely Lisbon. Um, and then I'd like to have either Amsterdam or Dublin. I'd like to have Istanbul, really, and I'd like to have a Scandinavian um, Well, country. I'm sure in the diaspora listening yeah. to this show and all of your contacts and the many languages even here present in the room, you'll manage to get those cities. I don't think that's the first hurdle. It's five documentaries, not too long, uh, short documentaries, I would say, um, to showcase these. And you also have um, a set of artists in mind. We have one here with us, Mia. But you have Silvia Camarda, who is known to us in Luxembourg as a dancer. Um, to talk to us about the prospective artists. So Sylvia has already agreed. I mean, I've known Sylvia for a long time. She's very active with um, less privileged um, uh, members of society from young people and so on, where she uh, works uh, with her passion for dance uh, to give them, I guess, more self-confidence. Um, Hisae Kenaga that we have already documented with Charlotte in Red. She hasn't uh, given her... Um, ultimate okay but I hope she will because I really like the way she thinks about sustainability as an artist. She's a sculptor. She's a sculptor and so she really also thinks me as an artist what is my impact uh, with the materials that I use um, and then Mia but I let her um, Mia that I, I researched on the internet and uh, I found her and I'm really happy that I found her and that she said yes so she will be able to to talk about her passion. And you have Sophie as a potential as well. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So Sophie Fider. What Sophie is she? Fider. She's a photographer. Uh, she does a little bit of ethnography. So how do we represent um, foreign populations through photography? What What do we impose on them, really? So Mia, you're a visual artist. Uh, welcome to the studio. You came in wearing this phenomenal top, which continues to match the inside of your coat, which I just think is fabulous. You were found by Patrizia online, as she just mentioned. She's very good at finding people and making links. Patrizia, I know her well, and she, this is what she does expertly. Tell us about your work, Mia. Uh, so I mostly do paintings. And um, one of the main focuses of my art is uh, the fact of being a woman and representing the female body. And um, it started off when I was still in Brussels and studying graphic design and getting really mad about constantly being catcalled in the street and realizing that as soon as I step out of my room, my body is not my own anymore all the time. And so I made an illustration to put on Facebook with the whole text and the exchange that I got from that was really interesting. And I realized that that's what I want to continue doing because it's important to point inequalities out, but it's also important to find people to talk to it about and to find a community in it. 
And again, we're coming back to the point of communication through Definitely. through this conversation. It's been once you, you put out your message and how you felt on Facebook. What were the comments you were receiving? Um, it depends if you look at it publicly or privately, but publicly it was mostly very positive or well, I perceived it as positive because it was other women speaking up about it happening to them too. So I felt hurt and I felt like it was good that I spoke out and then more privately it was more men being mad about it, which kind of proved the point. <laughs> and yeah, so and after that I started painting as a way of kind of reappropriating my own body because of the whole thought process that went with it. And I continue doing that um, because... If I'm right, mm -hmm. I think catcalling in the UK is now banned or it's illegal. I'm looking to Sasha for kind of a newsworthy... Uh, I'm not yeah. sure. They, they will Google away while I continue to chat. <laughs> But I think it's, it's, a list, it's on a list at least. And it comes back to what we were talking about with Catherine as well, that public policy and policy making can really um, see change. Mm -hmm. um, it also brings me back to a point of conversation I've had with some men recently. Some men... They're moving into um, a generation or two where they don't always know how to act. Uh, and so I think it's a confusing time for men as well. So perhaps in this conversation where you're going to, and I know you have a son, Patricia, uh, when you're going to highlight uh women and women in society. And I know you have a, a really good presentation, which I've looked through about uh, statistics in various sectors. But with that comes the conversation around men. Will you include men in this conversation? That's a very, very good question. Um, I actually have a new committee member who is a man because I, I do think it's important. We're not doing this alone. Um, I, the reason why I'm focusing on female artists in, in terms of documenting is really because the, the famous glass ceiling that we see in the business world, in the world of science, exists in the world of art and of creativity. The difference being that people don't know it. I didn't know it. I was looking at all of the statistics that you had. I mean, you can give us a few. I don't have your presentation open in front of me. But I was really shocked at uh, because, you know, you think the art world is, is quite even, but it, it turns out not. No, it is shocking. I mean, there are two figures that are really shocking to me is that only 3% of female composers are present in uh, scoring. So in the film industry, so 3% is minimal. And at auctions, um, um, female painters get a 40% discount. Uh, you mean their, 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 their prices are, are 40% yeah, lower? Yeah. Yes, yeah. That doesn't surprise me so much. <laughs> it's great, but it's, it's just, uh, it's really crazy. And uh, I, Coming back to the catcalling, I think Steve has an answer. Yes, uh, it seems then the UK MPs approved plans to make street sexual harassment an official crime yeah. with offenders yeah. receiving up a sentence of up to two years in jail. Yeah, so I, I did come across that piece of news. So there we go. I think Belgium, Belgium needs to, to follow that. I think Luxembourg too. Is it a problem here in Luxembourg? I'm too old to... <laughs> yeah, I don't have that problem anymore, so I cannot comment on that. <laughs> I grew up here, so I can comment on that. Okay. It's universal. Really? Yeah, well, yeah, there is that. But well, there's yeah. another, another reason to bring men into the conversation. I think you should always open up every discussion for everyone and especially with feminism being seen as a negative word now, um, it is important to create dialogues where we talk together and inform everyone and everyone feels comfortable speaking about it and because 
otherwise we create two clans and the dialogue is completely lost and then even even if i do my art in my in my little corner and the people around me see it and appreciate it it's the impact of it is completely lost if i close off the dialogue to all of us well, luckily, we have a fantastic uh, filmmaker, producer, videographer, Soban Naderi here with Naderi Productions. Why is this project uh, exciting for you? First of, all, uh, first of all, hello to you and Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. How do you say that in Farsi? Salonu uh, Mubarak. There we go. I won't try to replicate that. Happy New Year. So why is this project important? Yeah, actually, when uh, Patricia told me about this project, uh, I found it very interesting uh, because uh, I'm coming from a country that a uh, woman doesn't have any human right there. And nowadays they're fighting against Islamic regime to have it. Uh, then uh, it, it was this topic was very interesting for me. Mm-hmm. You, I'm sure, uh, obviously, will have female relatives. Um, and do they have views on this project? Have you talked to them about this project? Uh, not yet. Yeah, because... Uh, it's yeah. still in production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a little bit sensitive. So what do you want to bring when it comes to the storytelling? How would you like to tell this story? Because I know you use also, as a videographer, many different forms of storytelling. Actually, uh, we are uh, doing the uh, fundraising now and we have to do uh, the post, uh, pre-production. Uh, but uh, I, I really, uh, we, we really want to go to their place and uh, see what are they doing in their place with uh, their surrounding. And yeah, go deeper and see their personality and their characters. And uh, yeah, that's it. And Patricia, fundraising stage. I know you're an expert in this with different uh, hats on your head in different industries. It's always tricky, isn't it? It is very tricky. So yeah, I've been at it for some time. A couple of times I was very close to an almost positive answer and then it was negative again. But now I got a third. And just before Christmas, I had a very promising meeting. So fingers crossed, I should know more. If that works out, then uh, I might have the rest of what what is needed by end of next week. And if not, I'll keep. I have other other people or companies I, I will ask. But it's, you know, what in this case is tricky is that, and I understand it to some extent, it's not giving to a charity that will be active. It's giving actually to some form of communication. And maybe they tend to see it just as communication. But for me, it goes beyond, especially with the, this round table, because at the end, I mean, for me, it's I can't say it's uh, it's an objective, but I'm pretty sure that once we have done this thing in the five cities, you know, the same ideas will emerge everywhere. And I think an interesting network could actually start uh, existing between the artists and between the companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've also linked it to the UN Sustainability Goals. It is because at the end, you know, we hear we, 
when we talk ESG, even though it has several aspects from governance to um, to diversity, um, to sustainability, to environmental aspects, I mean, without without a greater equity between men and women, between poor and rich, we're not going to achieve sustainability. So I think it's important to see at the whole, to look at the whole picture. I know that people are still working on this, um, the the levels of females in certain parts of society. But some other people might say, but it's just a given, you know, women can do anything they want to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, <laughs> of course, of course, but it's just not in practice. It's not happening. I mean, I'm almost 60 now and I, I've seen my, my share amount of that and it and it's not over yet and where have you seen it work best where have you seen the greatest changes and what affected those changes i mean i think the where we really have a success is in terms of girls at school and we see that there are sometimes better achievers than than boys because there is a drive they have the drive to do something out of their life um, and I guess that's the support. It's public policy, obviously. Um, it's the parents, I hope, at least. Um, but then once you enter the the world of work and of business, that's where it starts. And it's sometimes a lot has been done in terms of policies, of directives and so on. But is this a these little unconscious biases that exist in many people that they don't even realize it. And the second one from my personal experience is... If assuming that the male behavior is the one that brings you success, if you as a woman adopt that same behavior, you'll be judged differently. And that is a huge problem. That is really. Uh, I mean, you're not being assessed with the same criteria. And if we're not able to change that, I mean, we're not going to go anywhere. Oh, it's going to take us a very long time to get somewhere. Well, at least you're trying very hard to open up the dialogue. Yes. And that's the first stage. Is there anything you'd like to add, Mia? Um, a lot, but I don't know if you have all that time. <laughs> two, two minutes. You can have two minutes. Um, okay. What what I would like to add is that in general, um, a, a lot of the inequality also comes from all the sectors together being unequal, and that start with this word being less safe for women. And if you look at that from different ways, it's with the policy, like the way rules are written, it already starts there or in the medical field that medication is tested on male mice and they only recently started testing that on female mice or that it's only this year, like 2023, that we first started using real blood in menstrual uh, products or like, that it's the first time that they tested with a female dummy in a car crash so there's so many different factors or illnesses in women being diagnosed 10 years later as in men because we're considered historical and uh, we're not really sick. So there's so many different levels where we face inequalities from a young age on already as women and they all need to be tackled. We need to start somewhere. I do it as an artist through my art because that's where I'm comfortable in it but a lot of factors need to come together and a lot of voices need to be heard in order to effectively make this world as safe for women as for men and for all of us 
And so that's why projects as uh, Patricia's Charlie in Red project are so important because it creates a dialogue and a communication throughout Europe also. Well, I know that you're reflecting on many thoughts that have been put together in a book. I've forgotten the name <laughs> of the author, but uh, a fab fabulous uh, South American author who's written about this and brought a lot to light. And if I, I will remember her name, I will link to her podcast on the show notes of this. And uh, thank you all so much. I wish you great success with the fundraising round, the positivity of these fundraising rounds. I know you have a, a financier behind you, so perhaps you have a, a coffee to be had later on in the day. And with that, to my colleagues, Steve and Sasha as well, we all wish you a super happy new year, one of health, happiness, success and positivity. And Thank I want some cookies. <laughs> There we go. Cookies are in the office. The Lisa Burke Show.